Hello, my name is Gary. And my name is Simon. And this is episode 22 of EV Musings, a podcast about electric vehicles and things that are interesting to electric vehicle owners. On our podcast today, we'll be taking a long-range road trip in a short-range EV. <laughs> Before we get started, Simon, I wanted to ask you, any thoughts on the Tesla Taycan Top Gear test, he says alliteratively. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I watched it kind of on and off. It's one of those things with Top Gear stuff now. I've completely gone away from like watching it, um, and I watched... I watched the test, and I just kind of almost thought, what a pointless test. I, I didn't really stick around for the outcomes, and you'd probably be able to enlighten me on that, but I just thought, what a bit of a pointless test. You're putting two of the top-range EVs against each other. Both are brilliant. Both have got their own merits in their own in their own way, but it seems like the typical kind of Top Gear wanting to uh, go out of the way to prove something. Yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't see it really being necessary apart from... Two great-looking cars going around the track, which was obviously nice to see. I think the issue is that it's alleged that Top Gear faked the results, or should I say misstated the performance mm. of the Tesla <laughs> shocker. Um, by not, shocker indeed, by not warming up the battery appropriately before putting it into ludicrous plus mode or whatever they did. But uh, yeah, as you say, they've kind of got form on this. Uh, they've got previous, haven't they? Even yeah. though the people involved are not exactly the same, they've got previous. So uh, we'll see what happens with that, shall we? Yeah, I mean, it's almost like they uh, they haven't really learned from the previous one and they're, they're now playing to it to a degree. It's like, this will get views, even if it's bad, even if it's bad press it's still press. So, uh, yeah, I don't know why they go out of the way to do these sort of things. But, I mean, let's face it, if you've got money to buy either, you'd make your own choice anyway. And if you can afford a Taycan or a, or a Tesla, then, you know, power to you. <laughs> I'm interested to see what's going to happen when the new Roadster comes out because yeah. they're going to want to test that. And Elon Musk, if he's got any <laughs> sense in him, will turn around and go, no, I'm not going to let you have one. I'll just wipe the floor with everything, won't it? <laughs> So our feature topic today, we're going on a road trip and we're taking you along with us. It's all well and good with uh, Beyond Nylon, Tesla Beyond, doing these 1,000-kilometre road trips in a Model 3 or a large-capacity battery vehicle with fast, high-powered Ionity or Tesla superchargers along the route. Under ideal circumstances, you can do a trip like that in fewer than 12 hours. In fact, Bjorn has recently completed one with the latest high-powered charger at under 10 hours, averaging 100 kilometres an hour, including stops. But... What if you want to do that in a normal, quotes, everyday EV with just the charging network we have in the UK? Well, we decided we would take one of our cars, either the Kia Soul or the BMW i3, and travel a thousand kilometres or 600 miles in a single day. But not content to just do the journey we wanted to do, this in circumstances that were difficult. So we went in the cold, wet weather. This affected both range and consumption. Indeed. So how did we get on? Well, what follows is audio recorded during the day. We'll talk you through each step of the route and give you facts and figures about how far we drove, where we charged and what it cost. The idea was to prove that, yes, of course, you can drive a thousand kilometres in a fast charging Model 3 on German autobahns. But can you also cover long distances in a standard EV using normal UK roads and regular rapid chargers? So how did we do? Well, let's look at the car we used. We had the choice, as Simon's already said, of either the Kia Soul with the 30 kilowatt hour battery or the latest BMW i3 with, the, with a 34 kilowatt hour battery. 
There were pros and cons to each of these. The i3 has the longer range than the Soul, so it could go further between charges, but it was also capped in its charging speed at 50 kilowatts. With this constraint and the larger battery itself, we would spend longer at each charge stop. With the Soul, we had a slightly shorter range, around uh, about 105-110 miles in the conditions we were experiencing, but the charging capability was far superior to the i3. Plus, the smaller battery meant we wouldn't be sitting at the chargers for quite as long. In the end, we decided that the majority of smaller battery EV owners would not have cars that had higher speed charging like the Soul, so we tried to make it as real-world as possible, and we went in the i3. Our route took us from Hitchin, north via Grantham and Doncaster to Sunderland, where we had a go on the Fastnet chargers, across to Kendall and down the west coast via Haydock Park, Cannock, to Milton Keynes and back finally to Hitchin. We used the uh, abetterrouteplanner.com to plan our run alongside PlugShare and ZapMap to ensure that we had backup chargers. We also kept an eye on WhatsApp to check the state of upcoming chargers where possible. For those that wanted it, we ran a glimpse session so you could track us live. We used whichever chargers were on the route, although we did try to avoid ecotricity on the motorway in favour of Polar, Genie Point and Instavolt, and we'll go through each one in turn. As well as recording audio for this, I also took video and we've made a uh, two-part video uh, or vlog to go on my YouTube channel, The EV Side, and we'll link to these below. So let's get started. Some of the audio here isn't the best. Remember, this was mostly recorded in a car without any of the uh, pop guards and uh, high-quality microphones we usually use when recording here on the podcast itself. But we think you'll get the idea. Okay, so hello, early morning. Um, we're looking at about seven o'clock here. We just uh, set off from uh, Simon's. Yeah, so Hitchin. In Hitchin. The weather today is forecast to be horrendous. Um, <laughs> and in fact, we've got uh, rain at the moment. So that's not going to help our efficiency at all. Our first stop. We were, we're heading up towards the Grantham area, um, but we do have a cutout to get out if we need to, uh, if we need to stop a little bit earlier at a place called Great Ponton. So uh, we'll give you an update later on on what happens with that. So we've just left our first charging stop. We were heading for Grantham, but for various reasons, such as a little bit of traffic, some horrendous weather, and the fact that Simon's got a little bit of a lead foot. <laughs> meant that we um, we dropped out at Ponton. So we arrived at Ponton with 10%. We charged up to 90% in 33 minutes on a brand new Alpha Power charger, which is a 60 kilowatt one. Obviously, this car can't take the full 60 kilowatt. And we did have a Renault Zoe that was uh, charging alongside on the AC, lovely young lady that we chatted with for a while. Overall, we put 23.61 kilowatt hours of energy in for a grand total of £5.90. We're now on our way up to our next leg, which hopefully, or our next stop, should I say, which hopefully will be the little just outside Doncaster for a hot point. So that's the second stop underway. We arrived at 25 past nine. We stayed for 36 minutes, took on 27.9 kilowatt hours of electrons, cost us a grand total of 789. That was a GD point charger at a jet station just outside. Doncaster, which did try and get in at a, a local Lidl, but some gentleman in an Ionic Electric had arrived there about 12 minutes before. It was sat on 33%. It 
So we decided rather than wait around, we just go two miles down the road to the jet station. 10.39, we uh, left and we're now on our way up to the Fastnet in Sunderland, although we will do a quick splash and dash part way up because it's just marginal on the distance. Um, the weather has improved a little bit. It's now uh, not raining quite as much. We still have uh, wet roads, so it's not helping the consumption that much. And uh, onwards and upwards. So we're just out of Gristhwaite, which is a Shell service station just north of York. Arrived at 12.27, left at 1300, so a little bit over half an hour. 20.5 kilowatt hours entered for a grand total of £7.99. It's 39 pence per kilowatt hour on the Shell recharge. Again, completely easy to do, completely simple and straightforward. We had the Genie Point card, which activated the machine, no issues whatsoever. And we went from 35% to 91%. So that's the fourth leg completed up to Sunderland. We arrived at 1400, two o'clock, onto the Fastnet chargers, or as we are now starting to call them, the not so Fastnet chargers. 175 kilowatt unit, the maximum we got was 32.1 kilowatts, and we arrived at 36%, charged up to 98%, putting 19.872 kilowatt hours for a grand total of £7.75. Very disappointed with the uh, the rate of charge that we got from the Fastnet chargers and as I say from now on they will be referred to as the not so Fastnet chargers. So leg number five was arriving, it was going between Sunderland and Kendall. We were originally going to go around the top to Carlisle and drop down but uh, the charger that we were going to go on there it was only a single charger and it had reported issues. So we decided we'd just cut the corner slightly, go straight down to Kendall. We stopped for the grand total of just over 40 minutes, had a little bit to eat, arrived with 19% charge, charged up to 98%, took 24.02 kilowatt hours for a grand total of £8.41. And that was on a bank of four Instavolt chargers at uh, one of the booths locations there. Very nice little cafe. Uh, we were coming towards the end of their uh, working day, but we managed to get a coffee and some uh, cake, which was very, very nice. So our penultimate charging stop was at an Instavolt charger just south of Cannock. The one that we originally wanted to go to, the Holiday Inn, was on a road which was roadblocked at both ends and had no suitable diversion, so we couldn't physically get to it. Luckily, there was another Instafault charger about um, five miles further away. So we uh, arrived with 8%. We stayed through to 90%. Um, still trying to work out exactly how much we uh, spent on there, um, but we're av we reckon it's probably about £8 worth of um, electricity. Well, we finally made it to the Milton Keynes coachway two hours and 40 minutes yep. after leaving Cannock or the Cannock area in the West Midlands. And one of the reasons for this is that the West Midlands was closed. <laughs> in entirety. In its entirety. It was pretty much one catalogue of disasters after another. The M6 toll was closed, so we couldn't get onto there from where we were, so we had to go down the back roads. The diversion that they sent us down had roadworks on, so they were funnelling everybody down into a single carriageway through roadworks, 
through traffic lights, round roundabouts. When that finished, they were then transferring everybody round onto the M60... Uh, no, the M6, back, back onto the, back M6, on the M6, because the M6 to between Junction 4 and 2 was, was closed. <laughs> but the diversion literally went down a country road and then ended up in a, in a, closed, a, road. a closed road. Yes. Two closed roads, actually. Two closed roads. So we ended up backtracking and taking back roads and going down through industrial state and then finally getting onto the M40... M42 two, via Rugby. Via Rugby, then onto the M1. And now at quarter to one in the morning... We're doing our final quick splash and dash of the day. We need about 50 miles on the GOM to continue. We've got about 32 at the moment. We'll be here another 5 or 10 minutes. That's it. And then it's the last 20, 20 30 miles. 20, 30 miles to back to Hitchin. Back to Hitchin. Um, and we will do a summary at that point. So... <laughs> it's been an experience, hasn't it, it? It's been interesting. Yeah. It has, and we haven't killed each other. No, it's been. Uh, I think it's been quite enjoyable. I've mm. um, had some good conversations. I've learned a lot about you. The in, in terms of the actual journey itself, I think it's been extremely useful because it finally puts to bed the myth that you can't do long journeys in a in an EV with a relatively small battery. Yeah. If we look at the figures that we've got on here, the Google maps said it was going to be about 12 12 and a bit hours uh, we've actually taken substantially longer than that but if you take off the i think we estimated there was about 90 an hour and a half uh, stuck in the west midlands yeah, trying to get out delays road closures yep yep and you then add up the time we spent charging so we're probably looking about three and a quarter hours yeah i'd say so charging yeah. and it all nets back to about what Google said it would be. Now, it's worth bearing in mind that we've had some horrendous weather. Uh, mm. We've learned that as we went up through Yorkshire, the weather was so bad there. They've had uh, flooding yep. uh, in Rotherham. There are lit the banks. The um, the River Don has literally uh, burst its banks and stranded people at a McDonald's there. Yeah. So the weather's been atrocious. Uh, we've taken a couple of little detours off the main roads to find some charges. But it's worth noting that. The charging infrastructure has been flawless. We've Absolutely. always had a charge. We've always been able to char to start it without any problems. Yep. It's always worked exactly as advertised. And there, yes, there were one or two where we spent, we stayed a little bit longer than we maybe could have done. We could have mm -hmm. pulled out and gone a little bit earlier. But we got chatting about various things. We recorded another episode of the podcast while we were yep. waiting, and we ran over a little bit longer than we could. From a charging infrastructure point of view, I perfect. It's fine, and you know we've spread it around. We've done Instavolt, we've done Alpha. Polar, Alpha, Genie, Shell. Yeah, the whole. Know. It's pretty much, I think, the almost like the entire networks. I think the only one we've missed is Ingenie. Yeah. Um, and that was purely because uh, the Ingenies, whilst they were available, they were out of the way. They I mean. weren't. Yeah, they weren't yeah. in within the the stops that we anticipated. So I think this has been a success. Sure, it's taken a lot, a lot longer. Could we have done this in an internal combustion engine quicker? Absolutely. Yeah. Would we have been... I mean, we've been on the road now for 15, 16 hours, and we're still fresh. Yeah, I don't feel tired, tired. I, For, for me, uh, yes, you could do it in a nice car, but the, we've realised that it's the same amount of time to do it in a nice car, but... 
we've actually made it cheaper and safer to do it in an EV. Indeed. Uh, we've, we haven't, at the moment, calculated the final figure, but we think we've spent at most 50% of what we would have done if we were doing this in an um, internal combustion engine. At most, and it's probably going to be considerably under that. We'll give you the final figures in a short while. So with that, we'll hand back to, as they say in the professional business, we'll hand back to the studio for a final summary. Here are some of the final statistics for the journey. We travelled a total of 578 miles, 931 kilometres, in an ice car with petrol, doing 30 miles per gallon with petrol at £1.30 per gallon, we would have spent £113 on the, on the same journey. In uh, an ice car with diesel, averaging 50 miles per gallon with diesel at £1.35, we would have spent £71. We made eight charging stops, took on 165 kilowatt hours of electricity and spent £50.71 to get those electrons. If we'd used the 50 kilowatt hour charger in Sunderland rather than the HPC charger, we would have spent even less. And if we'd only used Polar Plus to charge up, we would have been able to do the whole journey for about £24 in electricity. Overall, we were actually stationary at chargers for 268 minutes, which was four and a half hours, which is a little longer than we calculated uh, in the recording. We could have spent less time at a couple of the chargers, but we were eating, uh, chatting, and in one instance, recording another episode of this podcast. Could we have done this quicker in a diesel car with a range of 500 miles? Well, of course we could, but that was never the aim of this exercise. So for us, it was always, it's always a plan to do this, like we said, in the most difficult conditions possible. It, it was, the, the conditions were horrendous. Um, we, short of snow... We pretty much travelled, I would say, 75-80% of that journey in torrential rain, uh, reasonably cold weather. So, you know, we wasn't uh, we wasn't doing this. Let's just take a jaunt through the through the summertime so we get the best heat and the best temperatures in the car and and the best range. We wanted a real world most of the year type thing especially if you live in the uk generally you'll have about two weeks of sunshine and the rest of the year will be cold um so indeed so it was a real world test and um the aim of this was to certainly in my view to look at actually could we do that you know using a a, a small battery electric vehicle and also what was the traveling like I personally have never done a mileage of that size but one thing that we really did look at at the end of that was I'd, I'd done I think it was about 400 miles of that journey and I didn't feel tired at all and in fact the stops of charging actually made it a safer mm -hmm. journey. I think the thing that struck me about it was um, you know if you look at the timings uh, we were actually on the road for quite a long while but mm -hmm. You know, you can look at a figure and say, oh, well, you know, you spent four and a half hours charging. Well, yes, we did, but we didn't. Yeah. We spent four and a half hours stationary. Yes. We would have spent a good chunk of that stationary anyway if we'd been going in um, an internal combustion engine because, you know, we had to stop for a pee break. We had to stop for some food a couple of times. You know, we stopped because the weather was atrocious. Yep. And, you know, we spent, as I said, a little bit longer 
at certain charges because, you know, on one of them, unfortunately, Haydock Park, which we weren't able to record any audio for, the reason we couldn't record the audio is because we were buttonholed by um, a driver of one of the electric uh, black cabs who was telling us about his car, telling us about his route, telling us about all sorts. And and we literally got, we, we lost track of time. Yeah. I ended up having to sort of tap Simon on the shoulder there and say, <laughs> you know, we really do need to be going. It was an episode so, in itself, to be fair. <laughs> it was. I really wish we recorded audio on that. But uh, but the other thing is, because of the weather and the conditions and the issues that we had with uh, traffic jams and closed roads and diversions yeah. and reroutes and things like that, if we'd been doing this in an internal combustion engine, we would have spent a huge amount of time on the road over and above what the Google Maps said that we were doing. We actually tweeted out the route in advance. So if you go back and check on the EV Musings Twitter account, you'll be able to see the route that we were proposing. And it, it, Google said that was an 11 hour, 55 minute journey under ideal conditions with no stopping. Yeah. Now, I reckon we probably, if we'd have been in an internal combustion engine, we would have probably been driving for nearer 14 hours. Yeah, I think so. On that journey, yeah which was pretty much the same length of time we were actually driving with the uh, the EV, with the i3. So in terms of physical distance, a physical time it took us to do a given distance, there was very, very little difference between what we did in the i3 because, you know, as I said on one of the bits of audio there, Simon's got a bit of a lead foot, you know, he doesn't <laughs> like to hang around. So, you know, we weren't we weren't cozying up and doing 55, 60 miles an hour on any of the, uh, yeah, and I think, on any of the routes. And I think that's a key thing. Uh, um, you know, one of the key things was that it was normal driving. It wasn't careful driving, you know, hypermiling behind a lorry, going at an average speed of 50 to get, you know, the most out of the driving. It was an average driver gets in his car, wants to get somewhere and goes. There was no kind of, I would say not carefulness. There was carefulness in the fact that we kept to the speed limits, but it wasn't careful in the fact that, you know, we were we were really pacing it to make sure that we got the most out of, out of the car. It's also worth mentioning that um, one of the things that you mentioned earlier was that we went out, actually, what we didn't realise until we was driving back is the top half of the country was essentially flooded. Something like a month's worth of rain in a day. Every road that we went to or motorway was trying to get to they were all blocked. We went to a charge um, in the West Midlands, trying to get to a Holiday Inn. Road was blocked. And to be honest, the signpost was so ridiculous, we couldn't actually find a way out of the West Midlands at one point. <laughs> and then we had our, now it's being called the not-so-fast Ned charger in Sunderland, which we tried to try out the 350 kilowatt charger, obviously knowing that the maximum we were going to get is you know the 50 that my car can take. We got, I think it was 32, I think it was. 32, 33, yeah, I think it was, which yeah. Which was very disappointing because we'd expected more than that. And in fact, most of the chargers on the way up there, we was getting anywhere between 42 to 46, 47. So we was getting a, a reasonably good um, charge rate. Yeah, I don't think there was much in it in, in terms of time. And I think, you know, if, had we done this during the summer, obviously, I, I think personally we would have done it a lot better and maybe cheaper well yes the efficiency would have been a lot better the battery would have been warmer the rolling resistance on the roads would have been a lot less so we would have been able to go a lot even if we'd done the same route and stopped at the same places mm. we wouldn't have used as much electricity therefore our charging times would have been shorter therefore we would have been able to do the, the whole thing 
uh, quicker. But that wasn't the objective. Yeah. That that was one of the reasons why we specifically decided to to go later on in the year, where we knew the temperatures would be lower. I mean, it was bitter when we got to Sunderland, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, and um, in fact, if you watch the video when we get back to Milton Keynes at, I think it was like two in the morning. You mm-hmm. could you could see the breath in front of you. It was it was yeah. that cold. So that and the um, the bad weather and the headwinds and well, I mean we had headwinds and tailwinds, so yeah. it, it really didn't depend didn't matter. You know, we either had headwind going one way or a tailwind going the other. So it was just the conditions were atrocious, yes. um, and I think the car did absolutely superbly. Yes, indeed. So let's wrap it up by seeing if there's some cool EV or renewable thing we've come across that we can share with our listeners. So here's mine. Cambridge students have built an electric car with a battery more powerful than a Tesla. They've built a solar-powered electric car with twice the range and more energy dense than a Model 3. So following a recent race, which didn't go as well as they'd hoped, they returned to the UK to progress the technology. To quote the article, a team of students have built a solar-powered electric car that can travel from London to the Scottish Highlands on the same power it takes to boil a kettle. Quite an achievement, and personally, I can't wait to see how this progresses. Yeah, I was fascinated when I saw this. I think it's worth uh, sort of pointing out that this is not a car as we would recognise it. It's um, no. it's four wheels and a battery, <laughs> it's a and it's thing. basically as aer- aerodynamic, as lightweight as possible. There's, I think there's just the one seat inside it they've taken out everything that they yeah uh, they don't need it's don't need. it's uh, designed purely to be as efficient and as streamlined as possible and it's got the solar panels on and things like that so you know it can be a mi- bit misleading to say it used just the yeah. same amount of power it takes to boil a kettle but it did you know it did that's what it used yeah. but that's not a real life experience but of course the benefit of this is once they understand how that works and once they understand the implications of that that then gets fed into battery technology into vehicle design into solar power uh, fitting and, and that has yeah. a knock-on effect uh, further on can only be a great thing i think for further in technology indeed my cool thing well i'm going back to our old friends bp charge master they've recently announced that they're rolling out their high power chargers at motorway service areas Mm. As you know, ecotricity or eco-atrocity, as we've called them, have the monopoly on charging at the motorway service areas. Tesla had to pay a lot of money to get their superchargers in at the locations that they are at. But it appears that BP are taking the view that the petrol forecourts at the motorway service areas are fair game and they don't count when it comes to being, quote, motorway service area, close quotes. So this gets around the non-competition clause that Ecotricity insisted on. And hopefully it will allow BP to stick their 150 kilowatt chargers in there. Obviously, the more high power chargers there are on the motorway routes, the quicker people will be able to recharge the vehicles. And that's a good thing. I'm just a little bit dubious about having to park at um, a BP forecourt, stick your car on charge and then walk back to the actual services themselves to go to the loo or get food. Otherwise, you're stuck with the BP products on their forecourts. Although, you know, we've been there. We've we've uh, we've sat in one of the Wild Bean yeah. uh, cafes. It's not bad, the coffee there. But, you know, you look at some places such as um, Toddington, southbound, the garage, the BP garage and the services are actually really close, so that's not an issue. But if you go to places like Donington, it's a little bit of a trek, and I'm not sure I'd want to take uh, small children 
um, from where the motorways, from where the BP garage is back to the main motorway service area. But that's just me. Overall, though, I think this is good news for everyone, and it will perhaps either give Ecotricity the kick up the bum it needs to start investing in the infrastructure there, or it'll put the nail in the coffin and get them to sell up to someone who can make the investment needed to bring the network up to where it should be. Well done, BP Chargemaster. These, this is obviously a great thing and a good thing to have more fast chargers around the, the motorway areas um, to help that along. But I've got the same concern as you. If you've got a family like I have, what you don't want to be doing is traipsing your whole family across a uh, potentially a busy road or a forecourt or wherever it is to get to um, be- not necessarily better facilities, but a large range of facilities. And we've obviously we stopped at the one in Hammersmith, and that was reasonable. We had some facilities, and it looked like they're trying to bolster their um, shops to be more kind of coffee bar area type mm-hmm. thing. So may- maybe that will that will improve perhaps but yeah it's interesting yes indeed. and that's our show for today hope you enjoyed listening to it if you want to contact us simon is at the ev side on twitter and youtube and i'm the real gary c on twitter if you want to contact us on twitter use either of those or our old ev musings twitter account at musings ev nope this week's still not the week and i tell you why it's <laughs> that if you're wanting a quick reference ebook to read on your kindle i wrote a little something called so you've gone electric it's available on Amazon worldwide for the measly sum of 99p or equivalent, and it's a great little introduction to living with an electric car. Links for everything we've talked about in the podcast today are in the description, along with a detailed breakdown of every charge, um, every stop that we made, timings, percentage, cost, and the actual charger supplier that we used. Um, if you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe. We're available on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave a review as it helps increase the visibility to other people who are looking for EV podcasts. And it helps us know that we're just a little bit loved. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.